With your host, Andrew Donaldson, this is Herd Tell. Back to Herd Tell. Okay, promises made, promises kept. We talked the UK Tory election and by default the new prime minister a couple weeks ago and our friend Lettuce Bromrowski. Here she is. She promised to come back and discuss it. And as we record this, my friend, uh, not even about an hour ago, we saw Liz Truss roll up on number 10. Y'all have yourselves a new prime minister. Yes, we do. Very, very exciting times here in the UK. There's been, I mean, quite literally so much going on. And to be honest, everyone's rather unenvious of the position that Liz has found herself in at the moment. So she was voted in yesterday, technically, winning 57% of the vote to Rishi Sunak's 42% of the vote, which in and of itself was actually quite a big surprise to the British public. I mean, throughout these past five or six weeks that we've seen, everyone has been saying that Liz has been the clear front runner all the way. In many ways, it would be a complete landslide. And yet, really, she, she only got 57%. To put that into perspective, um, Boris Johnson in 2019, got 66% of the vote. So already that is slightly showing that there still remains these kind of divisions within the Tory party. And over the next week and the coming months, really, that's going to be a major pulling point on her point is, although this has technically been a win, over half of the Tory members who could vote in this didn't vote for her. There were 50 MPs who refrained from voting um, for either Rishi or Liz full stop. Um, and only three MPs uh, sort of transitioned from Richie's campaign to Liz's campaign. So although that you know she's got in, she's won, that's fine, well done her. There's much, much more work to be done to make sure that the Tory party remains as one and goes forward remaining as one. Yeah, let's start in the party though before because she's gonna she's got some real headwinds as prime mm. minister. We'll get to that in just a second, but let's start within the party though because the narrative proved to be true. The narrative was there's going to be the Rishi and then everybody else vote. He would be very popular within the party, and then when it went to the people, the larger party, I mean, it was going to invert and Liz Truss was going to be the favorite. That's pretty much how it played out. But that's also kind of the roots of what you were just saying is we knew there was going to be some division. We knew this wasn't going to be a run. It was a healthy victory, but it wasn't a runaway victory. Like you said, it's not the 60-40 you usually see in the last three or four of these. Yeah. That's really the core of this was you have the Borscht thing happen. People really didn't know how to react to it. People didn't know how to deal with him. Although to his credit, he basically stayed out of this, uh, which some people wondered whether he would or not. He did. This is the yeah. core to the problem here is she's already got all these other headwinds. She may have the most fractured conservative party of any conservative prime minister in recent memory going forward. No, completely. And there, there have been a few things that have arisen in British media um, since the win yesterday. One of the most notable, although you never want to overanalyze these situations too much, one of the most notable was yesterday when her name was announced as the winner. Rather than what is usual and rather courteous, you turn to your opponent, you shake their hand, then you go up on stage and you give your speech. She, in fact, sort of powered on past him and went straight up on stage and in many ways sort of shunted him in that way. Um, but like you said, this has so far been an election very clearly for the Tory or Conservative Party leader. 
the real election and the one that's coming up will be this general election, which happens in, you know, 18 months or so, two years or so. We can't quite predict that. Um, but I imagine we're going to see a huge change in the way that she is presenting herself. Now that she's got power, she's going to have to appeal to the wider public. And from all the polling that we've seen up to this point, Rishi has been the one who's been far more popular with the wider public than Liz Truss. And so she's not only going to have to turn around the opinions of her own um, other party members, but now she's going to have to turn around opinions of the general public. And Liz Truss, even five weeks ago, when we first spoke, um, she she was no one's first choice, you know. She she was almost always sort of at the bottom of those first rounds of removing people. And kind of once someone lost out, so Tom Tugendhat, he got kicked out, and then Kemi, they got kicked out. Um, she sort of absorbed their voters and their MP supporters, but she didn't really ever, unlike Rishi, start off with that big base of MP supporters. Yeah, let's talk about Liz Truss herself, though, real quick, and then we'll go back to Rishi Sunak and then the UK in general, because she's the prime minister for however long, although there's already speculation when this general election is going to be. Mm. Who is she? She has a really interesting background. Her parents was a, a college professor and a nurse. So, you know, upper middle class, middle class, kind of an upbringing. She also lived in Scotland briefly as a child. So she's got some experience around the UK. I'm sure uh, Nicholas Sturgeon will just love that. Um, sorry, in joke. Um, <laughs> but she's been a, even though she's relatively young, she's been in politics most of her career. She has mm -hmm. that kind of under the radar kind of political career where she just kind of kept climbing the ladder. And then, yeah. you know, it's the old literary thing. Gradually, then suddenly, all of a sudden, this election comes. It's like, oh, Liz Truss is the favorite. And you can't, she's at the bottom of all those polls, like you said, but all the people that really knew what they're talking about is like, Liz Truss is going to win this, even when she was at the bottom of the polling because of the way. The per How does her biography and her path to the premiership really set her up going forward? That piece of it, before we get into the politics and the ideology and all the mm -hmm. rest of it, her as a person, where she came from, how she got here. What should we take from that, especially as an audience from afar that's just kind of learning it through the media? Yeah, I mean, as you really quite well laid out there, she sort of started her life in Leeds. And then actually, as you said, which I didn't actually know, went and had grown up in Scotland for a bit. So she does have quite a good um, a view of the UK as the whole, on a whole, sorry. Um, but what I think is important here is that she is rather understated and she has been in politics for a very long time doing things under the radar. She's not like Boris Johnson in that way. She doesn't have to showboat all the time or, you know, go out and sort of have flashy parties or be flashy and in, in front of the media all the time. She's got her own persona in that sense. And actually, just, just a moment ago at 4pm, we saw her speech outside, her first speech as Prime Minister, um, and it gave off a rather more sombre and serious tone um, that I think will be sort of the who she is going forward. She's not going to be the very flowery languaged Boris or the very overt Boris or making jokes all the time. She is more serious. And I think a lot of that clearly does come from her background and her past political history where she's just sort of got the job done and kept going forward. For example, like when she was international trade sec and we had just left Brexit and we needed all these trade deals done and got over the line in order to sort of move on to the next step and keep pushing forward with this huge swathe of uh, new issues and policies we had to come up with because of Brexit. Um, but she got those done and she got those done in a way that I think was professional rather than look at me, look how amazing I am. 
Yeah, I, I will miss Boris busting out classical Greek in the original Greek from time to time. That was one of the more fun things he did. My my dad was a Greekophile, so I'm used to that. Um, one piece, something you just mentioned, though, also goes to her background. She wasn't always a conservative. She actually was a liberal Democrat to start out with. She switched mm -hmm. over in 96. Then when she stood for election in the early 2000s, she went with the Tory party. I think some of that, some people will call it pragmatism. Some of it will call it whatever they want to call it. Somebody who has been on the other side, she obviously understands it and has a unique viewpoint from it. Is that part of the unsplashiness? She knows she's got headwinds here. She knows she's got a very steep hill to climb here. She has a reinvigorated labor party to deal with. She's got a lot against her, but she's not somebody that's just a system person that just came up in one ideology. She's worked through this in her own head. Is that where some of this comes through, where she's going to have to try to reach out? She's actually got an ability to do it because she used to speak those words and those buzzwords in that language. It's very interesting that you say that. It was actually one of her sort of most fierce criticisms against her when she was first entering this leadership was that she has once been um, a Lib Dem. And actually, I'm not 100% sure about that. But yeah, she's definitely been a Lib Dem. Um, and that was sort of a criticism. However, I think, like you say, that sort of, I don't know, she was a Lib Dem when she was at university, for example. And people's opinions change. Their lives impact how their opinions change. And I think that just shows that she, in her own mind, grew up. And like you say, she worked through her own ideas to get to that own point on her own, rather than, I don't know, being influenced by someone's parents or being influenced by the friends that you surround yourself with kind of thing. She got to the point and the viewpoint that she's decided on on her own by working through where she decided that her opinions landed. And I think in many ways that makes it more powerful that she she really does know where she lands ideologically now because she's she's been through it all. Um, and going back to what you said in her, her um, fight against Labour, I think one of the biggest things we've seen over the last few months, really, not only a few weeks, is that the Conservatives' own worst enemy is the Conservatives. Labour, in my mind, have been entirely ineffectual in these past few months from back when Boris was Prime Minister, purely because they seem to have been unable to get ahead. They are ahead in the polls at the moment, technically, but they've been handed scandal after scandal, criticism after criticism, chaos after chaos on a plate by the Conservatives, and they've been entirely unable to get ahead, get on top of that, and prove themselves this country that they should lead. Realistically, right now, they should be miles ahead of the Conservative Party in terms of proving to the country that they can lead us. And yet, they've been sort of unable to do that. Yeah, but what they do have, Lettuce Bromowski joining us, is a head start because of this process, because it was drug out, because we kind of knew, the, especially the last few weeks, you could tell the way Rishi Sunak carried since the debates really, they went to the Hastings, you kind of knew where this was going. They've had it's been one way traffic in the media because, you know, Liz Truss is getting the job, but she doesn't have the job. So they can attack her as if she has the job, but she can't attack back because she doesn't have the job yet. So this has been one way media traffic. She has taken a lot of slings and arrows, some fair, mm -hmm. some unwise. That's part of the gig. What have we seen in the last few weeks? Because it's it's all been one way. It's all criticism right now because she can't do anything to re really respond back other than talk. Yeah. How has that affected things? Because that's just the reality of the media environment and the political environment until she is now in office, which happens today. Now she gets to respond. Yeah. She starts in the hole. Yeah. Is that fair to say? 
Well, it's definitely fair to say one thing that should be noted is the government's actually been in recess for the past sort of month. So there haven't been any um, like prime minister's questions. For example, this Wednesday will be her first prime minister's questions um, in front of Keir Starmer. And it will be a very, very interesting moment to see how she handles it, how he handles it as well, whether he can really, you know, land some serious blows to the Conservative Party and whether she'll be very good at that at all. I mean, Boris, to be honest, I would say, did incredibly well in the Prime Minister's questions debating. That was sort of his his sort of uh, highest quality in many ways. Whereas Liz Truss, we already know she's not a she's not a public speaker. And I'm not sure, I'm not convinced really that she's going to be a great debater. Um, but the past few weeks, the media has certainly been getting very frustrated at the fact that, which is unfair in a way, that they are unable to say what their policy is or what their plans have been um, or what they're going to be putting forward in the future to help with energy and taxes and housing and crime and all these different things. But this next week, she said that she will be putting out her plan. Um, and so this next week is going to be absolutely fascinating with all the new things that will be coming out, plans coming out. It's going to be a real, a real feast in many ways. Yeah, I won't miss it because they they brought Sky News's app does it live. I never miss Prime Minister questions because it's the first thing in the morning here. I listen to it with my kids going to school. It's kind of a tradition. You mentioned it. This is always going to be the comparison as a woman prime minister. She's going to get compared to Theresa May. And of course, Margaret Thatcher, fair, unfair, doesn't matter, especially prime minister questions. Um, Theresa May did very well at it. Margaret Thatcher is legendary at it. Yeah. She's not that style, though, even though Theresa was more... Um, plutocratic if that's a word but she was very good at it of course she had jeremy corbyn to work off of she yeah. does get Keir Starmer, who's Maybe. not exactly setting the world on fire no. but the comparison no. that comparison isn't going to hold up in her style when it comes to things like pmq when it comes to things like public speaking what mm. should she concentrate on style wise because let's be honest politics is style you have to speak you have to perform on tv what do you yeah. think she should focus on when it comes to things like wednesday morning and it's just her and the dispatch box and a whole lot of howling labor sitting across from her and some folks, frankly, behind her that she doesn't know whether she can really trust yet or not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be very interesting. Um, I think, well, going forward for the Wednesdays, it's going to be very important that she has solid proof points that she's getting things done or that she's moving the dial in some way. And that's really the only thing that's going to hold off the fire, depending on how sort of aggressive Keir Starmer is towards her. If we go back to sort of the comparisons with Margaret Thatcher, which have been a sort of phenomenon here, they've been everywhere from what she wears, dresses, how she talks, how she acts. Personally, from my opinion, I find that a bit infuriating. Although Margaret Thatcher, incredible woman in her own rights, for a lot of what she's done, you know, she's she's in the history books as being this amazing prime minister. Um, she was a prime minister 40 years ago. Um, and that to me is something that she was presiding over entirely different times with different issues. I mean, Margaret Thatcher had the issues of the unions on her hands and that was the greatest issue of that time. Whereas nowadays the unions, they really don't hold that much power. Um, and there, there are other things that are just, we now rely so much more on technology in a digital world. Whereas in the 1980s, those just weren't as prevalent as they are today. So although I understand in terms of maybe policy or economics or how some people want to think of it, it's important. I think we need to refrain from looking back too much um, and comparing too much because these are entirely different times.
Yeah, I agree. Lettuce Moronski. We're going to continue to talk about um, Liz Truss's elevation to the premiership. She is now the prime minister of the UK. She has met with the queen. She has stood in front of the famous black door at number 10. It's all official. She's going to continue to break it down for us, including international reaction and the politics of that. Her vanquished foes on her own side and her opponents in the Labour Party. More with Lettuce Moronski right after this. Her tale continues. the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done Uh, welcome back to Hertel. We're continuing to talk about Liz Truss, the new uh, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Our friend over yonder, Lettuce Bromowski, is back helping us break it all down. Uh, let's start with the vanquished here. Honor the Fallen as that crazy uh, Hunger Games movie my kids keep <laughs> watching over and over and over and over again. Uh, Rishi Sunak, where does he go from here? I know he resigned his post, which was kind of expected. A little bit of chilliness between the two of them at the announcement, which you can make more or less of it. I don't know. It, I don't think it was overly contentious by British standards. We've seen a whole lot worse, but it wasn't overly friendly either. Where where do we put all this, do you think? I think that there won't be a position for him in the main cabinet. Um, I mean, in the cabinet, sorry. Um, I don't believe that he himself would want that position going forward. Um, although throughout this entire campaign, they've been talking about how they'll unite behind it and all of these different things and they're one party. And in, in many respects, that's right. All their, all their viewpoints, they agree on far more things than they disagree on. I think that for him now, he he wouldn't accept a position. There was a lot of talk um, up until today that he might be offered health secretary because he was obviously not going to be offered um, chancellor of the Exchequer, considering a lot of the campaign was built around their differences on economic opinions. Um, and, but health secretary, however, that has today gone to Theresa Coffey, 
who what we're seeing with Liz's new cabinet, again, one of the criticisms that is coming out of this is that she's appointing a group of people who are largely inexperienced and unheard of um, outside of the Westminster bubble, I should say. So Theresa Coffey, who today, the first appointee of um, Deputy Prime Minister and Health Secretary, has risen from her position as uh, Secretary for the Work and Pensions. Um, and prior to this, she'd held a few roles in the Whips office to now being pretty much at the center of government holding the second most powerful position in this country and health secretary, which is in and of its own right, a huge role uh, within the cabinet. Um, and it's been a significant rise for her. There have also been other people like James Cleverly, who's predicted to be the foreign secretary. Um, but again, that's a name that people haven't really heard of before. Um, and this sort of goes on and on. The only one that she has, or supposedly, this is all speculative except for Teresa right now, um, is that Kwasi Kwarteng will be the new Chancellor of the Exchequer. Um, and he has previously been Secretary for Business um, and is believed that he's done a very great job there, to be honest. He also runs COP. Um, and he's been in charge of all of that. Um, but again, it's this, what we'll be seeing actually right now, probably while, while we're discussing this, but people will be going into um, that black door, into number 10, and they'll be being appointed these positions. Um, and so really that will be her first major step as prime minister to see who, who's gonna get these roles and what sort of future that means we'll be looking at. Yeah, and Rishi Sunak, he's a young guy, he's in his early forties, he's very ambitious. <laughs> He's really smart. He sees what everybody else is seeing. Everybody is pronunciating. He's like, look, there's going to be a general election sooner rather than later. He mm -hmm. probably just wants to stay clear of whatever happens. And then he wants to be the next guy up. Is that kind of what everybody's seeing here is he's just going to step yeah. aside, sit on his back bench, let it fall where his may. And then he'll come in mm -hmm. and see what happens next and be the next guy up. Yeah, there's there's so much truth to that in many ways, which almost seems unfair. But Liz not even Truss, a criticism. I mean, that's just kind of, you know, that's the road in front no, of him. I don't really blame him, but for, that's what it is. No, no, it, uh, completely. And for her to even be seen in history as good, she's almost going to have to be exceptionally great in many ways. And although we say she's got two years till the next general election or 18 months or whatever, realistically, she's actually only got about... I would say two months until we're in the depths of this winter energy crisis that we're going to be in. And if she fails to meet the needs of the people then and fails to sort of get a solid plan in place that really will support people and not just maybe blanket uh, giving money out or blanket spending, but a real solid plan that will help people through this winter, then she might have a chance going forward. But if she doesn't do that, I think she's going to be out in the cold, pardon the pun. Well, it's not a pun because the number one cry we've talked about it with you, our other UK friends, we just talked about it with our German friends last week. Cost of living and energy is the is the overriding issues right now. And in the yeah. UK, winter's coming and it's looking bad. It's not looking good for the British economy right now. It's not looking good for the especially the working and middle class and down economies. The cost of living is high. Fuel prices are looking to be high. This is going to be a rough winter politically and physically in the yeah. UK. Yeah. What what is she, I know she came out with a big energy plan right off the jump, but beyond mm -hmm. just a plan, how does she sell a hard winter? Because it's going to be hard no matter what she does. Let's just be honest here. How well, does she how does she sell that to people? Just kind of we just got to stick through a tough winter. You're the new yeah. guy and things go bad. You get the blame. She knows this. What's her pitch? 
Well, that was that was a lot of what we heard in her speech just now, which was much more somber and serious. And it, the sort of overriding quote that's come out of that is, um, we're going to ride through this storm together. And she's been very much corralling this idea of togetherness. But you're right, the biggest shock for households this winter is, is going to be these sort of crippling increases in gas and electricity bills. We're going to see our energy price cap rise 80% from about £2,000 to about £3,600 um, in October. Um, and this is again predicted to jump to about £5,400 in 2023, in January 2023, which is, is phenomenal. I mean, even not, we're not just talking about, you know, the lowest in society, the poorest in society at this. We're talking about a huge chunk of people in society who will genuinely be unable to pay these bills. What she has been coming out and saying is promising that um, she, well, not promising just yet, but saying that she will freeze um, the cap on gas and electricity bills at about 2,500. So this is still an increase from what it is at the moment, uh, but she'll put this freeze on for the next two winters. Um, and it will uh, allow, I think, about I can't remember exactly, sorry, but this that's meant to help a, you know, a higher proportion of people with this. But again, it's going to create a cost of about 90 billion, which will be supposedly funded by government loans. And again, it's adding to the more and more debt. And the criticism at the moment is this is simply kicking the can down the road for the next generation to deal with. Um, but she, she does have to prove herself and she is in some ways going to have to restructure the energy market that we have because of the pressure that we've seen over the last year from Russia, um, particularly in Europe, more than in the UK specifically. But that that gas pressure that we're being put under, it's 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 coming to a head and it's going to be a very, very tough, tough winter here. OK, she can't just get by on the cost of living stuff, although that'll be the dominant issue. You got to juggle balls. And she's yeah. got some big ones. Northern Ireland's a mess. There's a migrant crisis. There's yep. labor issues. We've got wide ranging strikes through the UK in the transportation sector right now. Ukraine's not going to be going anyway. And the European pressure is going to be immense in the winter for the same reason the cost of living is going to be a problem in the winter in the UK. What of those is something that she better get on real, real fast? Who's her first foreign phone call on dealing with some of that? Is it dealing with, you know, Ireland, Northern Ireland? Is it there's a lot of trouble with the French right now in the migrant crisis in the channel. Does she call Olaf Schultz in the polls and be like, we got to do something to Ukraine? Who's her first phone call, do you think, here? Well, we know what she's already said is that she's very um, adverse to Chinese expansionism. That's one of her main points at the moment. She's always said that we need to be very careful, tread very carefully with them going forward. But I think for now, although that's she's very publicly against a lot of that and um, Chinese government, uh, Chinese companies, sorry, coming into the UK. I think for now, the priority will remain the war in Ukraine. Um, she's always been very supportive of, of UK helping fund and support and send defence to um, the Ukraine and things like that. I think that'll be very high on her list of showing that she maintains support. We know that Boris was an incredibly popular figure um, in Kyiv and well, most people in Ukraine were so shocked when uh, it was said that Boris would no longer be the leader of the United Kingdom. So showing Ukraine that we will still stand and we will still support them, I think is going to be top of her list. What I think will be an even bigger priority at the moment is dealing with this NHS backlog that we're having and issues within the NHS. Because I think that's something that the people of the UK will be very, very keen to see sorted out. And although many prime ministers have been saying this for many years kind of thing, 
the the issues that we've had that are hanging over us because of covid are becoming unmanageable we've had people who've been sort of left to die because they've had heart attacks or strokes and ambulances have taken hours and hours to come to them when realistically they should they should be there instantly you know our 911 system is is falling apart we've got one in 10 um gp consultants who are expected to retire in the next 18 months and we haven't got the the inflow of younger generations to support them. Um, actually, just yesterday, Truss was told that she had 10 days to address NHS nurses' pay or they would go on strike. So this, this she seems to be fighting a battle on every front at this point. Yeah, welcome to number 10. Not an easy yeah. job as anybody that's ever been in that building will tell you. Um, you mentioned it real briefly though, so just to touch on it, kind of put a bow on this whole thing. Mm just pronosticated i know it's a guess but this whole thing's going to come down to when this next general election is you mentioned it she's really only got a couple of months to really get her stamp on this thing if it's an 18 to two years out that would make her and let's just say she doesn't survive it that would make her the shortest reigning prime minister of the modern era that's that's the hill she's looking at climbing historically she's got let's just be honest here she's got no matter what your politics are She's got a whole lot against her just right from the go here, doesn't she? Yeah, uh, she, she's got so much. It's almost it's almost un, unclimbable in many ways. But as you say, the election, it, like the maximum it can really be at this point will be in two years. But they're going to want to put their best foot forward when they call it. So I don't believe it's going to be in two years. I imagine that they'll have to call it as soon as sort of, you know, something goes right, something's in their favour, perhaps they overtake Labour for the first time in the polls, perhaps she does incredibly well in this winter coming up, and they will call it as soon as they have a slight glimmer of hope that it's swinging in their favour, because two years is no time really at all, especially in the world of politics, to get things through and really change things out there. And with recession predicted until 2025, you know, we we she's going to have such a struggle even getting anything over the line. So she's got to be putting her best foot forward for everything really now. Never a dull moment with our friends over in the UK. Let us from Mosky. Love having you on. Let folks know where they can follow you and keep up with you till we get you back, which we're going to do because you're outstanding and we love getting your insight on these sort of things. Let folks know where they can follow you till we get you on Hertel again. Thank you. You can follow me on Twitter at L Bromoski, which is B-R-O-M-O-V-S-K-Y. And we'll link to all her current media hits on this stuff, and we'll have you back real soon. Les, thank you so much for the time, my friend. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am.